Um, it's almost the same promise as given to the Son. Um, in chapter 7, verse 6, we haven't gotten to unconditional election, but it's a little foretaste that it's in there as well. Uh, you're a people holy to the Lord. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you are the fewest, but it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that He swore to your fathers that the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, redeemed you from the house of slavery and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So there are just a few thoughts in there um, that, that you can, I don't know, I hope it helps you to think along those categories that the theology that we put in a systematized form in our class shows up in the narrative and in the stories that we have. All right, this morning, um, sola fide, and the notes are on the back there. Did everybody get their, their notes? Okay, no? I think they're on right by the offering basket there. I've got any of the ones that you're missing, I think, are also there. Um, the syllabus really is just in the order of where we're going. The dates aren't any good anymore. So, um, uh, so the, our, the remonstrance, Jacob Arminius taught that faith is the sinner's gift to God. I was watching a sermon this week, and I felt... Uh, I felt compassion on the minister because uh, you could tell just in his presentation, he felt such pressure to convince people. I get, it's important that I convince you today, over and over. He said that today, not tomorrow, but today. It's important that you make a decision today. Um, and I love that. I love the urgency that the gospel is shared. And we should always be urgent about it, but, but it seemed to me there was almost this undue pressure put upon the minister. I've got to convince these people. I've got to prove this faith to these people because it's up to them. Their salvation is in their hands. It's right here if they would just grab a hold of it. The scriptures, we believe, teach that faith is actually God's gift to us, that God gives us faith in order to believe. It's one of the greatest gifts that he can give his people, this faith. Um, I put in your notes the order of salvation. Um, I think uh, that, that it's important that we kind of keep that in, in the forefront as we're talking about all these different doctrines, how it all fits together. And if I was better graphically, I, I would put a, uh, maybe a parenthesis around the whole thing, and I would put the word predestination, because some people think predestination only, only is uh, in reference to uh, the election of God's people, but predestination really is from the beginning of creation to our glorification. God, God determines the end from the beginning. Um, and so that's why you don't see predestination written as part of that order. It's kind of the overarching uh, in, in God's um, divine wisdom. And even in uh, Genesis, the, the council of the Godhead, they, uh, <laughs> the, God plans all of this. So, um, Election, God chose, chose, chose the people before they were born. Uh, <clears throat> the effectual call, He sends His Spirit. Uh, and when the time is right, we respond to the call, the external call of the gospel. But we only do so because <clears throat> inwardly the Spirit has prepared us for such. 
then our hearts are regenerated. We're given a heart of flesh. And the first thing our hearts do when they're regenerated is they repent and believe. So repentance and faith are what we would call conversion. Um, at the moment of your conversion, you are declared justified. And we'll talk a bit more about justification. But some of this is like turning on a light switch and all of these happen simultaneously. You're justified and as a result of your justification, you are adopted. You become one of God's children. Sanctification then is that process whereby God is making us more into what he longs for us to be. Um, and it's, it's basically what we focus on at Three Rivers when we do worship. We focus on sanctification. We come in, we reenact all of these steps in the order of salvation. We're called into his presence. We confess, we repent of our sins. We're taught from his word and even through song so that our faith increases. It's our end of it. I, I, I search the scripture to know the scripture so I can know more and believe more. Um, and so uh, perseverance means that the Lord will keep his saints. He will not let them go. And glorification would be our final state when we are with him. The Bible says we will be like him when we see him. So um, that's, that's just kind of the, the process of God working with us. Sometimes Christians really treat it like the, the one job of the church is just to get people saved. Like that's, that's what we got to do. Everything we can just to get people saved. But, but that's a small part of God's plan. He is to, we are to bless the world as, as his redeemed people become more and more like him. So um, we believe that the scriptures teach that justification is by grace alone, through faith alone, and I should have added in your notes, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Um, so this morning, when we talk about justification by faith alone, I want to make sure that we have a good working definition of justification in the shorter catechism. Question 33, what is justification? It is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all our sins, accepts us as righteous in his sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. There is a negative aspect that our sins are removed. There's a positive aspect that we are counted as righteous by God. Any questions about that question? Uh, so I grew up in Sunday school hearing that justification was just as if I'd never sinned. And um, it's more than that. That's really just one side. That, that just as if I never sinned means, yes, I'm clean. And, and a lot of Christians believe that. But the beautiful positive side of justification is that I am treated as a son of God. Um, and it may be the hardest part of our salvation for many Christians to believe. That God, God does not take us in reluctantly. He doesn't, he's not embarrassed about us. He looks at us through what Christ has accomplished for us. Um, the judgment then is final and total. Um, and I, I ask this question, do we owe God anything? And that's a, kind of a trick question. Um, we don't owe him anything in the sense that our salvation has not been earned completely, fully, totally. Our standing is all secure by him. But then as a result of, of believing that, receiving that, for sure we owe him our affections, our worship. But not in a sense that we're paying things off or we're earning extra things from him. Uh, Romans 3 
I think I have some of those verses in your outline. Um, Romans 3, uh, I'm going to pick up at uh, actually verse 9. I think your outline starts at 23. But the apostles making this argument. What then? Are Jews any better off? Not at all. For we've already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses, bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now I know whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. <clears throat> Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, <clears throat> for there is no distinction. Paul writing here as a Pharisee, uh, very much uh, like an early Luther, intent on earning his salvation, his standing with God, working as hard as he could to have a standing with God and feeling it all the time that it was not enough, that he had not done enough. And, and so he looks at the risen Christ and, and he says, now this, this is the righteousness of God that's been manifested, it's been shown to us apart from the law. Um, verse 23, all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> we will get to sola gratia, grace alone, in a few weeks whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He goes on in chapter 4 to talk about uh, Abraham being saved by faith. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, so justification is tied also to the covenant. Uh, and, and so uh, we are covenantal in our look, at, our, our look at Scripture. God makes a covenant at creation and fulfills that covenant. Um, it, it grows in an organic manner and there's, uh, it, it gets fuller and deeper. Uh, and, and His covenant is to justify people. In Leviticus and Exodus, <clears throat> the covenant gave us uh, the ways and the means of having right standing with God. So it's, it's, it's beautiful. God gives the law, and immediately after he gives the law, he's like, you're going to break it. <laughs> uh, and here's what you do. I'm not going to lower the, the requirements of my law, but I'm going to make allowance for you to be forgiven, to be cleansed. Um, and so Leviticus points in all of those sacrifice points to the necessity of, of a pure and right and lasting sacrifice, which we see now as Jesus. And how wonderful for the Apostle Paul to, to see that, to know that. In Exodus, you know, the same thing happens. I mean, here's, here is the law of God, and here is what you're to do when you break the law. Um, 
justification is in a in a sense used in three different ways in the scriptures it's used in a causative way um, to justify versus condemn so in Deuteronomy 25 if there's a dispute between men they come into the court and the judges decide between them acquitting that word there is justifying the innocent and condemning the guilty um, <clears throat> and in the negative way in Proverbs he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. So, uh, causative, to declare them in a right relationship with the law. Declarative, um, in Job 32, <clears throat> Elihu, the son of the Buzite of the family of Ram, burned with anger. He burned with anger at Job because he justified himself rather than God. Uh, he got angry because Joseph, Job was saying, I, I, I've, not done, I've not done wrong. This, this suffering that I'm having, it's not due to something I've done wrong. Um, and it's also uh, recognition, Jesus' resurrection, declared, counted, or recognized to be righteous by God. The resurrection for the Christian is so vitally important because it, it shows that, that God accepted it, that, that Jesus did have power over death and sin, but he, he lives again. He doesn't, I mean, it's, it's really important for us to grasp this. We don't, when we go to him for forgiveness, it's not as if he has to go back and, and suffer some more. Um, the, the beauty of his free grace is it's, it's already been paid for. Um, and so uh, our justification is based on the work of Christ and our faith is based on the work of Christ. Uh, so Isaiah 53, I don't know if I, did I print that whole text in your notes? No? Okay. Um, Isaiah 53, I won't read all of Isaiah 53, but I think I have those four bullet points that he talks about. He was pierced, he was crushed, he was punished, he was wounded. He was pierced for transgressions that were ours. He was crushed for iniquities that were ours. He was punished to deal with the dispeace that was ours. He was wounded to heal the disease of sin that was ours. Second Corinthians 5, our, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. It's written, cursed is everyone who'd hang on a tree. So now when we talk about faith alone, it's faith in Christ and his work. We are, we, are, we are not trusting in ourselves. We're not trusting in our baptism. We're not trusting in our prayers of, of confession. We are trusting in his work. Uh, Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 14, is titled, Of Saving Faith, The Grace of Faith Whereby the Elect Are Enabled to Believe to the Saving of Their Souls is the Work of the Spirit of Christ in Their Hearts, and is ordinarily wrought by the Ministry of the Word, by which also, and the administration of the sacraments and prayer, it is increased and strengthened. <clears throat> Paragraph 2 says, By this faith a Christian believes to be true whatever is revealed in the Word. For the authority of God himself speaking therein and acted differently upon that which each particular passage thereof containeth, yielding obedience to the commands trembling at the threatenings and embracing the promises of God for this life and that which is to come. But the principal acts of saving faith are accepting, receiving, and resting upon Christ alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life. 
by virtue of the covenant of grace. Um, so this is why it's important that we study the Word of God. When we say when we study the Word of God, it increases our faith because we know more about Him. Um, I think I, I might have told you the story about Jack, this guy that got converted in our church plant in California, uh, had been um, alcoholic most of his life, lost his family, lost his business, um, went to a park in Pasadena one day and um, had just lost his home. <laughs> and he sat down at the park bench and said, looked up to heaven and said, God, save me, please. And a lady shows up with a Bible, sits across from him, says, I'm here to show you the plan of salvation. And she opens the word, points to the plan of salvation, and sends him to church. So he walks into our church that very next week. Different man, changed man. All of his addictions, gone. Um, and uh, he was older. Uh, our, our average age of our church was probably 25, 26 at that point. And Jack kind of became the father uh, to all of us. It was awesome. But uh, his sanctification process was one of the funnest things to watch. Because he would sit there and he knew nothing. And as I would teach the Word, he's like, okay, so I'm not supposed to do this. I am supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to do this. I'm not... You know, and one day we were talking about blasphemy, and Jack, Jack often would say, oh, God, no, or something like that, you know. And, and he said, hey, pastor, do you know how sometimes I say, oh, God, no? I said, yeah. That's blasphemy. I said, yeah. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I'm like, well, Jack, we've been working through it little by little, little by little. But, but in a sense, Jack was like, I want to know what pleases God. He, he, he didn't think he was out of the fold because he had broken this law, broken that law. But he said, I want to know if, if there are things I'm saying, if there are things I am doing. And, and so um, it's also why I'm not quick to declare somebody saved. I mean, I believe that someone will come to know the Lord just like that for sure. But I also want him to understand before we say, you're a Christian you're rescued, you're saved, that they really understand what they are saying they believe in. Um, and and I, maybe I go a bit overboard with that, but you know, we've had people live with us, my own kids, and just like, I, I want to make sure that you know what this means. It, it's not just fire insurance. It's not, not just some sweet, sappy thing you do. You are entrusting your very life and soul to Jesus Christ. You're not, in a sense, asking him to come and have a place. You are giving up everything to him. And um, I, want, I want people to understand what that means, what the cost is. Uh, and so I, I love the way that the confession puts it. Uh, the principal acts, accepting, receiving, and resting on Christ alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by virtue of the covenant of grace. Uh, number three, the faith is different in degree, weak or strong, may be often in many ways assailed and weakened, but gets the victory, growing up in many to the attainment of full assurance through Christ, who is both the author and the finisher of our faith. Um, I'm really glad they put that chapter in there. Um, there are often times where we are, uh, our faith is assailed, and oftentimes where we feel like there's no way he's still going to hold on to me. Um, 
So we are justified by faith, not on account of faith. Faith is the instrumental cause, not the material cause. Uh, so what I mean by that, and, and I think it's important that we understand that, again, in our culture, faith is, because it's treated as something I conjure up, because it's treated as something that I have to work myself into, um, it, is, it becomes, in some sense, the, the material cause of faith. I have enough faith, therefore I am saved. If I had more faith, this would happen. Uh, because you don't have faith, this bad thing happened. Um, f- faith, it, even the weakest faith of a Christian, is in Christ. It's in his work, and it's not the faith that we bring to the table. It, it is believing what the Spirit has revealed concerning Jesus. Um, I printed Romans 4. Do you have that all in your notes or not? Did I take that out? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I want to give you... Romans 4 is... What Romans 4 tells us is that Abraham was saved in the same manner that we're saved. And it's really important we get that again because, uh, again, a lot in the Christian faith treat grace as kind of this afterthought, like this second way, this plan B. God's gospel is, is plan B, that, that God didn't really want to send his son to die, that it wasn't really the plan. If we would have just received him as Messiah, you know, then, then everything would have been different. Um, but faith has always been the instrument of the believer's salvation. And so the apostle writes in Romans 4 that, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed and it was credited. It was given him as a gift. He was counted as righteous. And anybody who reads Abraham know that he was just, just like the rest of the saints in the Old Testament. We're fallen, we're frail, we're broken. Abraham believed. And then he goes on to say, now he believed and he was declared righteous before he was circumcised. And, and it, you know, again, for us, it's not this huge deal. But, but when we say that baptism is, is the mark of the covenant... Um, baptism doesn't save us. Uh, And that's what he's saying. Abraham was saved. He he was declared righteous in God's sight before he received the mark of the covenant. And um, and he stands for us as an example. Old Testament believers were justified by faith. They were declared righteous by faith. Um, And we see that as it's listed out in Hebrews 11. Um, Faith draws everything from Christ and contributes nothing to Him. Faith is simply a shorthand description of abandoning oneself trustingly to God, whom God has made our righteousness. Therefore, says Paul, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Do I have that quote in your notes? That's from Sinclair Ferguson. I didn't, uh, I didn't write his name down there. The Roman Catholic Church um, believed really in a. Uh, that our faith was not quite sufficient. Um, or, or they taught there's an insufficiency uh, and, and that, that our, our salvation was dependent really upon did we have perfect contrition. Now here's how you need to think of that. If, if you have a kid or a friend uh, that's done something wrong to you and they come and apologize, Many times we judge their apology by their contrition. 
right? If they're really upset about it, if they cry, if they grovel for a week or two or a month or two, then we're like, okay, they're truly sorry. They've proved to me that they're really, really sorry. Um, that's what the Roman Catholics taught was perfect contrition. And you needed perfect contrition to be justified. And so that's where the doctrine of penance came. Um, you, yeah, you've done wrong uh, and God will forgive you, but you need to do this. You need to pay this. You need to act this out. Um, so you would see, I mean, and Luther was one of these monks that they would punish themselves because it was hard for them to really accept. God has really forgiven me for these things. Um, so here's what happened. Justification became the goal that the believer worked towards. Okay, I'm, I'm working out my salvation so that in the end I will be justified. Okay, completely different way of looking at your life and, and, and really a scary way of living as a human being. I am, I am doing this, doing this, doing this, so that at the end of my days, God is going to look at it. He's going to weigh the good and the bad. And I became a Christian later on in life, so those, that doesn't count as much. Uh, I am working towards justification um, as opposed to justification is the foundation of our sanctification. Being declared righteous is, is, the, is the beautiful, firm footing that a Christian works through their life. I have been declared righteous in his sight. I have been received into him. Christ is mine. I belong to him. And, and, and as a result, uh, I long to please my Father. As a result, when the Spirit con convicts me of sin, I, I, don't, I don't doubt my justification. I don't doubt that I have standing with him. Um, I see it as, as this beautiful gift that he is giving. Make me beautiful. Make me right. Uh, and to cleanse me. Does that make sense to you guys? Um, uh, point five, the three dimensions of saving face, uh, faith, saving face. Uh, first, cognition, knowing God, uh, knowing his revelation in general and specific to the works of Jesus our Christ. Uh, so before we ask someone to put their faith in Christ, it's important they know the works of Christ. Uh, it, it's, it's not just just something we do at camp because everybody else is doing it. And I said this prayer and it's some kind of magical thing. It's here is, here is what the Bible teaches about Christ. Here's what the Bible teaches about your sin. Here's what the Bible teaches about God's righteousness and his covenant. Um, so there, there, are, there are doctrines and truths to be known, to be understood. Um, second is the ascent. So I, I, I know these, I can articulate, this is what the Bible teaches, this is what Christianity is, and I, 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 be, I believe it, I accept it. Um, and then faith that is person, personal. The individual trusts personally in Jesus. As Calvin says, a heart trust which the Holy Spirit works in me by the gospel. A joyful assurance of salvation in Christ, a sure and certain knowledge of God's benevolence towards us. I forget what your former used to say this. Whenever Satan tempted him, he would... <laughs> sounds like Luther, but I'm not sure it was Luther. But he would say, I've been baptized. <laughs> and he would say, I, uh, you're, you're, you're right. I've done this. I've done that. But I don't belong to you. I belong to someone else. And I have been covered. 
It wouldn't point the baptism as that, that act in and of itself, but what that represented, what that meant. Um, now, the character of faith. Um, faith contributes no merit. We receive justification purely by faith, but faith adds nothing to our justification because, after all, faith is trusting in another. Uh, did I leave the Warfield quote in there for you guys? Okay. Um, I'm going to finish up just with this here. Faith is the gift of God. He gives it. There are degrees of faith. We've talked about that already. Um, faith and works. Uh, James chapter 2. Um, uh, we, we look at our deeds to prove our faith. It, it is a faith alone, but it is not a faith that is alone. Faith and sanctification go together. Justification and sanctification go together. When uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, you're a new creation, he doesn't say that your, your salvation just changes your status. Uh, it changes you from the inside out. Um, and so when James is writing, he is, he is uh, challenging those who, who say, I can, I can believe in the gospel, but look just like everyone else. Um, so any, any questions about faith alone? What we do this morning in worship is we call that one of the means of grace, the preaching of the word and the sacrament. And it is intended to increase your faith in the sense that your whole mind and soul and spirit dwells upon what Christ has done. And you take it with your mouth and you eat it and you sing the words and you're with community. And it is, it is to remind you and to teach you. And so our faith should grow with our knowledge. And it should grow in such a way that we grow in humility. Because our God is so gentle and patient with us that he rarely shows us all that's wrong with us in one sitting. <laughs> he, he chips away at it little by little. Um, and so hopefully that makes sense of why we do some of the things we do in worship. We want to teach about our sins. We want to teach about the gospel. We want to teach about the greatness of our God all in one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the faith that you have given. And we pray, Lord, that you would increase our faith, that you would help our unbelief. We realize, Father, that everything that we do somehow is tied to what we are believing at that moment. We may not uh, articulate it. We may not even think through it. It may just be a reaction when we say these things or do these things or when anxiety takes over us or when we don't want to forgive another. Um, that, that at the root of all of that is what we are believing concerning you, O God, and your gospel and ourselves. And so we pray it would get deeper and broader and it would produce more sanctification in our lives. Not that we would boast, but that you would be pleased in us and that we would bless this community as lovers of Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.